Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. everyone, it's uh, Roxanne Derhodge of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Today I have a special, uh, I would say friend now, a colleague that um, I share a writing group with, uh, and this is Lubna Nodren. Am, am I saying that last name properly? Nodren, Nodren. Uh, so <laughs> Lubna is in a very warm place, so I'm jealous, I should tell you, she's in Florida. Um, and that's where she uh, resides pe- presently. So I'll tell you a little bit about her. She has quite a, uh, you know extensive background in organizational leadership. Uh, she's a CEO of Mind Market Consulting, and she has extensive experience working with teams and groups um, from boards to C-suite executives and their teams. Uh, she brings uh, global experience in healthcare, higher education, and government. Uh, she holds a doctorate in organizational leadership, uh, with an, ex- an emphasis on culture change, and she's faculty presently at Barry University in the is that Human Resources Department um, oh program, and is the past pre- president of the ICF Federation in South Florida. And she has, I, I, you know, her dream, which I think is uh, phenomenal. I would love to talk to you a little bit more about it. Is to support a hundred orphans from West Africa through college and career transitions. What a, what an amazing uh, goal to have, Lubna. Thank you. Thank you. I was born in Sierra Leone, West Africa. So, and I've seen the poverty. Actually, Sierra Leone right now is the. Uh, poorest country in the world, according to the latest from uh, United Nations. So I do have a dream. I'm helping out right now. We're very close. And it's now through informal circles. It has not been formal. But my my goal is to use, you know, uh, any profit from within my company to toward that goal. Um, so uh, I've been there. I've lived in Sierra Leone. I've lived in Nigeria, and I've lived in Lebanon as well. So there's there's an attachment to West Africa that is very special to me. So tell us tell us about your story. Like um, I know a little bit, but I think it's a fascinating story, and I'd love for you to share it with uh, with our my listeners about your beginnings and um, what puts you now in Florida doing what you're doing. So start, tell me, start wherever you'd like. All right. All right. So, you know, I know a thing or two about change, Roxanne. We talked about change and uh, the pandemic and uh, and people who have been through hardships have a better way of being adaptable to what's happening today. So we, we notice a lot of struggle around the world because of this huge change. But to us, people who've been through change themselves, uh, we feel more resilient about it. So... At the age of 10, I walked to the hot end of a rifle pressed on my forehead. I was then in Sierra Leone. You know, unwelcome visitors do show up in our lives at our doorsteps. But in my case, it was rebels from neighboring countries. And they were coming in to get anything they could get their hand on. So, but we were lucky. My family and I managed to flee into the darkness of a nearby jungle. 
and the life we had along with my childhood teddy bear were left behind. And change can come to any of us at any time. And our agenda rarely has concerns for what you hold dear. Um, the horrific walk we had, uh, it was also magical in a way because sometimes what is not so great brings up things that are super great. So we were found by a tribe of known cannibals as we flee uh, through the jungle, and I'm not kidding. And one younger tribesman took it upon himself to save us and took us through wilderness and a map only he knows because there was no way a modern person would survive. The, the map that we went through. And I watched him blow dust on animals that were too scary to even fathom in that journey. So I do believe in magic. And for those of you who are not comfortable with the word magic, it's that phenomena of hope that comes with extraordinary outcomes when you're in a doom situation. Just like we are today, there has been so many magical moments so many opportunities for people through a very doomed situation. And this was only my first war, Roxanne. So because uh, my second was in Lebanon during uh, most of my school years and my college year. And uh, there was a time when it, it became too dangerous for us to survive because school happened and university happened while bombs in neighboring streets was happening. So. It's interesting that we humans are very adaptable. And what matters for me today is being aware that taking the pause to recognize what we are adapting to or not, right? So we're super adaptable, this pandemic will pass. And uh, from Lebanon, I came in as a refugee to Canada. So I was in Montreal and I felt home in Montreal. Uh, as a refugee there, I have such a soft spot for um, any refugee out there. It is not easy, transformation is not easy, but thanks to the Canadians and the beautiful and lovely setup they have for refugees, I was able to make it. And I moved uh, to Florida because of my husband's job and we've been here for a while. So that's my story and I stick to it. So tell me, like how old were you when you were going through this walk? Like how old were you? I was 10 years old. Uh, the jungle. I still remember it very vividly. Uh, I often talk to my dad about it to just remember some details. Uh, and um, it has been an interesting pass. It's still there. The memory still is there vividly as we move through this because it was just fascinating what we went through. Uh, the bites of mosquitoes that were beyond compare because it was in every part of your body for days to come, you know, the illness, the, the stomach aches, having to uh, drink water from, you know, not so clean uh, ponds. And it's, it's been there for a while. So at 10 years, uh, it was in Sierra Leone and then around 13 in Lebanon. So when, what did you, know, you, what did you learn about resilience? I mean, for a 10 year old, um, you know, that's, that's a, a big experience. You're with your family, you're, you know, your walk is how long at that point? Uh, we had three days um, of five days, five days, three days. Okay. Okay. Days. And um, I think the one lesson for me that I truly take and still hold on to is the amazing uh, resilience of people like us. Mm -hmm. uh, what we went through was unimaginable. And yet we had people in the way 
that unexpectedly supported us and helped us survive. It was the little stuff that made it so incredible. And, and in a way, Roxanne, it looks very much like what we see in organizations today. As, as drastic as that is, you get new leadership come in, changing everything, taking away everything that you hold dear, right? And then expecting you to just adapt immediately to change. So, you know, we, I always go back to that first war because everything changed. Anything that I felt was familiar was not. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a lot of that happening, even though it's not war and it's not as, dra- as drastic, we do uh, see and hear many stories of people that feel that they're completely lost any type of stability, right? And even grounding of who they are, their identity is their work. Their whole life and identity is based on that title that they have at work. And it's pretty difficult to survive. I can't compare to what we went through because my parents lost everything. I was crying over my teddy bear, not recognizing years later that my parents lost everything they had, lost years and years of work and uh, livelihood. And yet I see this happening um, because even through those difficult times, there was sparks of hope along the way that helped us survive. My, my parents are still both alive and well. Wow. wow. And they're doing great. And we've been through that hardship, but we survived it. And I do believe this pandemic is here, you know, not for long. And we're going to survive it just like everything else. Hang in there is what I tell my clients. Hang in there. This is a passing journey. And the only way out is within. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that whole concept of people being defined by what they do. I am, you know, an executive. I'm a lawyer. I'm a, you know, a teacher, whatever, Um, you know, when, when you don't have other things in your life and I'm going to say your, your alignment's off balance because we do spend so much time at work and you're right the, the pandemic, the adversity of the pandemic has, um, yes, it's, it's, it's made all of us have to realign and redefine so many things in our life. And even more so for people that I coach, and I know you do it um, as well, where people are struggling with, um, how much you know power they gave to their position, and now they're recognizing that they are so much more than what they do. Roxanne, because with my clients, that self-awareness is so not present. And I, even though I'm, for example, help someone solve problems or this cultural issue or this team issue. I find myself working with them on the basic of who are you? What is your identity? And how come that identity is so attached to a job title or that promotion that you did not get? I see a lot of pain in that lack of balance and uh, it has to do a lot with authentic leadership. Who am I as a leader? How self-aware I am of my values and my purpose and how can I bring that and be more intentional and more deliberate about grounding myself in who I am. And um, again and again, and I'm not sure if it's the pandemic or before, I see it more now that uh, executives are working harder, longer hours, trying to uh, do more with less, and yet losing sight of their own mental health, Mm -hmm. of their own 
uh, physical health and of the triggers and the lack of creativity that is happening because of lack of sleep, lack of rest, mm -hmm. uh, lack of physical activity and being controlled by their email instead of them controlling the email. So it's like the email is controlling them. And I find this, this so um, consistent lately that most of my clients' issues are not what they believe to be the trigger of the call for the coaching. It's more the lack of grounding in what are you? I've seen, I mean, toxic leaders in the most, most noble organizations. And it's lack, again, to that self-awareness and lack of understanding of how your effectiveness as a leader actually affects organizational culture, affects the results that your team gets. So um, it's like the hamster on the squeaky wheel, the, the wheel yes, with the hamster. for sure, for sure. But I, but I think a lot of these leaders, when they go to business schools, let's say in all fairness, like I think authentic, you know, you know, I talk about authentic heart leadership, where we talk about awareness. And what's my story? Like, why did I go in? Why did I want to become a leader to begin with? I think these lessons now are becoming more normative versus years ago it was very, you know, leadership was very, you know, um, top down, you know, we, we, our senior leadership teams were not about awareness. And, and values and how are my values in line with my my vision and my mission and how is that translating out into palpable, palpable little steps but here we are where now more than ever the the workplaces people are saying I don't want to deal with this company because they're not living their values I don't you know it's out of alignment I'm not I'm going to go and shop at the local stores because I, I want to be able to be connected in a way, whereas maybe a year ago, we wouldn't have thought about it. We would have thought, what's the best deal for me? I'm gonna send for it something somewhere far away, not really thinking about, I need to be connected to, to the company that I'm doing business with. Do you find that there's been a lot of shift with the trust level that the consumer is having from what executives are seeing in reference to um, you know, their interaction with the public? What I see, uh, Roxanne, is um, the idea of psychological safety within the organization. I see a lot of lost trust from that end. Am I safe in my work? Um, you know, am, am I, do I, will, will I have that job six months from today? Is the change, am I doing enough? Am I capable of doing? And this... Uh, inner belief that they can't keep up. So it's like, I can't keep up. So I see a lot of burnout and uh, a lot of psychological safety influencing how they look at their organization and other organizations. And, and we go back to a very business uh, theory that you, know, that you and I probably know without even thinking about it. You know, what's the end? The, the, what's the end that is in mind? What's that goal? You know, how do I measure where I'm going? And as long as you're stuck in this loop of work, 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 and not stopping to understand where is the root cause of my issue, then you are having less awareness about self and less awareness about others. So it goes back to um, something as simple as for me, Roxanne, as silence that inner critic. You know, what is happening here? Are you, are you able to stop, just to stop and pause and be mindful of where you are? you know, during the day. So at least just basic 
stop and pause. What am I doing? What am I thinking? What's happening right now? Okay, what is this inner critic telling me? I hear you. What are the facts? Mm -hmm. I see very capable leaders, very capable, well, well established leaders questioning their ability to manage. And I, it goes back to that self-awareness and tapping into the thoughts that's coming in because of this pandemic and because of the stress and the lack of balance between you know what's, what's in here, what's in my life that is causing them to, to have self-doubt. Very capable leaders. Uh, and it seems to be recurring more and more in this time, probably because we're not going out, we're not doing things that are entertaining. I'm not sure, maybe it's connecting, but resilience to me at this time of change is to really focus on my thoughts and my strength and be able to be grounded in my abilities and nurture who I am first. So I'm more capable of being successful to the world. And if we could just silence that inner critic and really focus on facts, go back to facts. What have I accomplished this year? What have I done well? And what can I hone in through my strength? That might help you silence that inner critic and work more on being more present, right? So I think what's happening, and I see it around, you know, a lot of the people that I'm coaching or even just, you know, other people that are in corporate positions, people are at such a depletion level that what you're, what you're referring to Luna, absolutely makes sense. But if I'm coming to a space of I'm so depleted that I can't make the connections between the fact that, you know, I've been, you know, extending my days or I haven't been playing with my children as much, or I haven't, you know, felt the sun on my face, um, mm -hmm. you know, for 12, 14 day, hours a day for the last three days, or I haven't sat down and really actually ate with my family or, you know, had a, a, a walk with a friend, all these basic things. What happens is I've, I think a lot of uh, leaders or people that I'm coaching are, are so disconnected. So that whole thought when mm -hmm. I'm teaching them about awareness and problem solving, they're, they're so not able to see the frame of objectivity because they're so stuck in their subjective reality based on so many things that got them to the spot that they're in. I don't know if you're also seeing that. Absolutely. And, and that brings my mind to the middleman, you know, manager of managers. They're expected to be excited, willing, unconditionally supportive of whatever their boss is telling them, welcoming of any changed with little disregard to what could be conflicting priorities in their life. And at the same time, they're supposed to be, you know, at their best with their own employees, with their own managers and managers of teams. And, you know, walking that very fine line of interpersonal relationships and yet commanding. So it's a very conflicting uh, side of personality where you need to be stretched in two, three, four different ways. And your behavior needs to accommodate whether you're working with the top or you're working with the bottom line. And these people are burnt out and have a really difficult place in their life right now to navigate because they have to switch from being you know, accommodating to being more assertive. And when they're dealing with their managers, you know, showing up as engaged and they're not. So there's a lot of masks and playing with who they are, which creates that question mark for them. Am I capable? Am I the right person? Am I doing the right things? Will I be in this job in a few months from today? They, they have that look about them and 
Roxanne, I get uh, in my coaching calls with these people, I get a thank you because they finally have a time to pause, mm -hmm. to reflect, to think out loud with no judgment, right? And no retaliation. And just the fact that they're able to think and pause makes makes me realize that they're in that calendar go back to that calendar if anyone is listening to this look at your calendar how much of time have you truly spent on doing your job which as a leader you're you're in your strategic planning you're thinking ahead you're is if are you death by zoom you know are, is there zoom death after by zoom, after zoom? Yes. and yeah. in that case when are you doing your job because your job is way beyond at entertaining meeting after meeting you know, finding yourself in that position of grounding that my, this is what I am intended to do. And this is how I do it. And stopping this uh, feeling of I'm overwhelmed with work because I have no time. I'm on Zoom meetings all day long. What is it that you can do differently to be more in control of your time and more in control and capable of doing what you're supposed to do. I think there's a lot of question there because of that fear. And to your point, Roxanne, if you're in that uh, lack of power mode, right? And then you're, you're missing out on what's motivating me. Where's, where's my, where am I being capable and where I'm not? And there's this um, lack of boundaries between family and work, right? And no time for me. And believe me, time for you is what will make you a more effective leader at work. So how do we try to start to separate, you know, who I am and my capabilities and my strength from these meeting after meeting at work, right? So. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just on, a, on another podcast and we were talking a, a lot about um, fatigue. And in fact, the, the attention that we need to give, like, uh, you know, I'm, you're seeing half of me and you're, you know, I'm potentially, hopefully I'm articulate enough that you can read my nonverbals, but some people are kind of flat. So you have to even work harder to kind of get what, what is the nuance that I'm missing? So, you know, versus like we were talking a little bit about the, you know, the element of the water cooler, right? Like we used to always say, there's a level of connection um, that comes from just being able to have that face-to-face connection that's being lost yeah. and, and and then we're going like to your point we're going from zoom thing to zoom to, to that kind of uh, time and and you know with my new book I talk a lot about is um if you're not able to be aware of what it is that you need to be healthy and to keep your mind objectively clear how is that impacting your ability to foster uh, creativity in in the space that you're in if you're depleted, you're constantly like going, you're like, a, like you're right, the hamster on that wheel and you're really yeah. depleting yourself. You're probably getting less than 65% productivity um, because you're so tired mentally, emotionally, probably physically as well. But again, that mm -hmm. whole concept of people being in that fear state that I'm going to lose my position. Um, what's mm -hmm. happening with the pandemic? Look, you know, um, I was speaking to a colleague in, in career management, and he was saying that there was another big onslaught of um, executives losing their job in, in Toronto, like something to the tune of, I forget the number, but it was quite high. So the reality is people are scared. Absolutely. And um, you bring up a really good point is uh, that focus on what we do not control, right? So that fear 
of the outcome that we have absolutely no control over and instead going into a more of an empowered position where, okay, what do I have under my control? How can I show up as indispensable? What is it that I need to do today? And is it truly about my title that makes me an effective leader? And in this case, uh, loss is, you know, we can't prevent that, that's beyond. But as you're in it and you're with it and working in this environment where it's, you know, highly demanding, highly flexible, going through competitive change uh, consistently, right? And competing with uh, a virus that we have not been able to control is how, how do I become more self-aware and more aware of what is happening around me and how can I become indispensable? What is the one thing that my organization needs today that I could substitute and assist with? And it's not Zoom calls, right? We're wired to connect. We are hardwired to connect with others. How can I use my day to be more effective in my connections with others? How can I create that one-on-one, right? that one-on-one connection, because it's no longer face-to-face. It's, you know, me and you, how can I make this more meaningful? Right, and, right. And when it comes to the executives, how can I show up as an executive? What is in my presence that is saying or not, that I'm saying or not saying? You know, am I showing up fully ready? Uh, am I showing up with a voice? Do I have a meaningful saying to say, something to say? I work with a, a highly capable EVP, executive vice president of a large scientific organization, Roxanne. And she told me that she wanted a coach because she cannot be heard. She does not feel heard in the meetings. Well, if that's what you tell yourself on a daily basis, you start to shut down completely and you wait for the louder voices to take over. Well, you know, how do we create that presence and make sure you say what you need to say at the time it needs to say. Most people that do not speak up, it's not because there's another person taking over. It's because there's a voice here that says, is my idea good good enough to share while the other person is thinking out loud and throwing that idea. So go back to identifying your own limiting beliefs right? And the triggers, what are the triggers that I have within me that seem to be causing me to go quiet or go too loud and go back to executive presence? What does that mean? You know, am I dressed up for success? Uh, Am I looking like I'm hiding behind a camera, right? With my face all the way versus am I really present, listening? Is my mind in this call or I'm working on something else in my head? Is it all shows up for you when you are dealing, you know, in your role? Um, And mentally, when you're tired, um, what you're not able to do is to be completely present. And I think, you know, with, with awareness and awareness is, you know, could be something as simple as, you know, I'm going to take every ding and bell off and I'm going to, you know, sit in my office on, you know, in my favorite chair and have a tea for 10 minutes with nothing to, you know, kind of allow my brain and my mind to just have a bit of a, like you said, a bit of a pause to sit outside because it's sunny and feel the sun on my face with that tea, be able to reposition myself, my body then identifies something different with the stress. So my body, feels like it has another option instead of sitting on my desk for, like you said, in, you know, for say 10, 12 hours, sometimes I'm sure people do that, which is unfortunate. 
So the body needs that experience to say, oh, well, what what can I do? Oh, you can, you can do this. You can, you know, you can walk around the block because you've got, you know, 15 minutes, Uh, something Mm -hmm. as simple as that. Then, you know, that whole internal space gets created that says when I am not feeling a hundred percent, these are the six options that I can pick from versus kind of sitting there and thinking, oh, I'm just going to, you know, um, keep at, keep at it. If I keep at it and we know that we only have a, obviously that optimal functioning, what, for 20 minutes at a time that we need to take a break and then go on to other things. Absolutely. And life is too short, right? I mean, if you've been through one experience or two, I've been through two wars, life is short. So uh, do what it takes to first navigate your personal health and personal being and presence. And I, you know, I often ask my clients, why take an hour to have a meeting? Why not 45 minutes and then allow everyone to take a breather for 15, right? And positive intelligence, um, science, it's, it's the five minutes of being mindful. And I do this to be mindful. Very simple things, you know, what, are, what is one thing you could do? It could be visual, you know, looking at the window. I have a beautiful window in front of me with a right. lot of, maybe that would be it. Just looking and noticing, you know, different things, the, uh, the wind, whatever that is that keeps you grounded for that moment. Few minutes, it doesn't take much. In meetings, I could do this under the desk and just have that sense of mindful presence. Or it could be through ear listening to sounds that you hear for the first time or as farther as you can hear. So bring back that type of presence to yourself because then you become better at creating more meaningful collection and connections and having that in-depth conversation with someone else who's looking at you and you're not present. We can tell when you're not present. We can tell when the leader is going fast forward to results, you know, just get me to results. And I would say that, you know, through coaching, uh, Roxanne, you know, I offer evidence-based assessments and leadership metrics that help the leader see where they're at and where they need to be based on their own self-assessment. So it's not someone else telling them, right? So they can't say, oh no, this person doesn't know me well, it's you. So the the self-assessment tells you where that challenge is for you. Is it in the vision? Is it in the detail? Or is it in presence or mindfulness? So to me, it's go back to basics. What is it? What am I here to do? What is my true role? And where am I here to do in my life? Right? Because that identity cannot be just your work identity. Who am I? How am I going to keep myself healthy? So I can be more effective at work. With my new book, that's what I, I do with uh, the teams uh, that I'll be working with is that the, the team members actually um, analyze the leaders' uh, competencies around things like awareness, mm-hmm. uh, decision-making, recognition, um, all those different variables. And uh, you know, so that it becomes almost like a, let's say I'm on your team and I'm really very poor at awareness. I go through, you know, training and the modules and coaching. And if I get through that and I'm still lacking in awareness, it shows that there's some, some things that I need to further work on as the, as a leader, because I think, unfortunately, you know, how, where are we getting these metrics to see whether the leader is being effective or not. So my hopes is that with this ability to continually test once 
we've uh, created these trainings along with whether it's executive coaching that the leader would then go, oh, you know, I've learned these things, but what's the application? Well, how did I apply it in my meetings this week? Or, um, you know, with uh, my presentations, was I able to uh, demonstrate a certain skill that I've learned or those, and then the team again, then continues to assess the qualities of the leader to see if that's been enhanced, or in fact, if it's gotten worse, if it's it stayed the same, then at that point, there would be more in-depth need for further kind of uh, deeper core coaching with the leader. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, if we look back at 30 years from today, coaching was associated with uh, a rare occurrence. And when you're in trouble, you got to coach because it was do better or get out. Today, engagement with, with coaching is, is simply an opportunity to grow and leverage your talents and become more effective. And it's an expectation. So I see more and more people actually when they're getting their job for the first time, you know, getting a promotion, asking for that coach to be part of their competitive advantage. So um, I think find a way to connect with people that can mentor you or that can assist you, right? So I was having some sleep issues. I connected with a sleep coach. It does not have to be a million dollar investment. It could be two sessions with a sleep coach and learning that if I could sleep at the same time every day, and if I could have a sleep routine, things will be better. So find out where you're struggling, that specific place where you're struggling, pause, allow yourself to st stop and reach out to someone who can support you so you become more effective. I think I have found more precisely, uh, Roxanne, with female leaders that do, they do not stop to ask for help and they do not reach out to ask for a coach or look for development opportunities. Even networking opportunities do not happen for them as, um, as specifically as they believe they are doing it. So they're not very effective in networking on a level of growing their, their own brand as a leader. So I think it's important to stop, become more self-aware understand where your challenges are, reflect on those challenges, and then reach out and get help. Mm -hmm. Find the coach or the mentor or the manager or the peer that's going to support you because they know what they're doing. Not because they've been there, but they know what they are doing and can provide you with good feedback to help you grow. Um, but I would always say start with self-awareness, right? Because that helps me then understand awareness with others. How am I, you know, how am I communicating? Am I truly listening? And then as you get that and you become better at that because your inner critic is silence, then I can start looking at my relationships and how am I, uh, you know, how is my awareness of others? How can I see others as clearly as I see myself? And that takes the time to pause and to be there, right? And understand your limiting beliefs. So, um, I know one client, I'll give you an example, Roxanne, incredible uh, client, incredible female leader, has an amazing team of people, and they were all complaining, uh, complaining about her and her leadership, and uh, they can quit because they're in healthcare, everyone wants them, so they, they were a high potential team that she did not want to risk losing, and when I spoke with them, I was so surprised to, uh, to realize that she has forced weekly meetings with them as a group 
And in the meeting, they had to present a report that was so ridiculously detailed and overwhelming that they had spent most of the week working on that report. Oh, thank goodness. So her intentions were, you know, the most noble intentions was she wanted her superiors to understand that this group is working hard and they, this way they could not be shut down or furloughed. Great intention. The impact on the team was the opposite. They felt micromanaged. They felt extremely burnt out. They, they had a culture that they felt was a, a controlling culture and she became the enemy. So just by her stopping and recognizing, I said, just pause for a moment. Look at your report. What are you doing, right? Just that pause, understanding the impact. Did you ask these people what they thought about it? Did you even in any way find out what would be a better way to report? And none of that happened because in her rush and the stress and the worry that the whole team might be let go, very good intentions. She's trying to protect the team. She became the enemy for the team and she became the least effective um, for the team. So being self-aware will help you become more aware of others. Well, I think, you know, I often say, if you don't know what your own stress signature is and you're in that state and you're, you know, you're working from, you know, the, you know, fight, flight or freeze part of your brain often, then you're not becoming clear about what's really happening in front of you because you're you're in your own world, right? And it's, you're tumbling and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I often say, you know, how do you know when you're stressed? What are some of the signs? What, what how do you talk to yourself? How do you experience your body? Because oftentimes, you know, when I talk to people about, tell me, you know, there's, there's a term in neuroscience called window of tolerance. I'm sure you've probably heard of that. And I'll say to people, how do you know when you're tipping in? And they go, what's it like to be in it at all? And I'm like, are you kidding? And they go, well, no, you know, generally, if I am really stressed, um, you know, I've recognized that I'm, I'm not recognizing it because I've just snapped at my kids yet again, or, you know, I've, I've got, I've, you know, I can barely move my shoulders. I said, well, that's too late stage at that point. What you're not recognizing, you probably had seven cues prior to that, and you just kept going into the no, you know, the no fly zone, and then you're about to tumble over. So I think you're so correct in saying, what is my internal space? And nobody can care for our internal space. Yes. Those lessons for ourselves and not everybody's like us. Absolutely. And if I continue saying I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. Believe me, if you say repeat that for 30 times, you'll start to feel that sense of overwhelm. So it is overwhelming. Absolutely. And you know what, Roxanne, let's face it. Leaders face obstacles no matter where they are in their journey. Okay, so with COVID, it's probably worse, right? And you're facing, um, you know, these areas of surprises and changes that are hitting you left and right. So it is not an easy journey. And at the same time, you're stuck in the social hierarchy, you know, that requires you to be extremely aware and adapting to different um, teams and different powers. So it's a roller coaster. You're navigating a lot during the day. So mentally, it's exhausting. We get and the more reason why it's important to pause and to really go back to what is my intention for today? 
what is that one thing that is really important to me to do today? And how can I take the time to do it? Because we cannot be in that roller coaster up and down, up and down, up and down, because that navigation of power becomes very ruffled and unclear. The path becomes super unclear. So tending to your expectations first and then tending to your manager's expectations and the expectations of your team takes a second when you are clear on what you want. So Roxanne, we've seen more of, like you said, that burnout, the fatigue, the constant demand, all together can create a true explosion, you know, and something you may not know coming your way. So just stop, recognize it, understand where you want and go back to basics. I tell my clients, go back to basic. What is, what is my intention for the week? We learned that you know, at a very young age, Yes. What's my week like? Go back, stop. Mm-hmm. You know, what is important to do? Look at your calendar. And if it's full, if it's complicated, I get it. I respect that. What can I stop doing on that day? What is that block of time that I'm going to start getting into my calendar that is unnegotiable, non-negotiable? Because I work with clients, Roxanne, and sometimes they block it and someone intervenes into that calendar. Mm. Well, that's boundaries that, you know, we have to respect our boundaries and recognize everyone that this is an untouchable period. I need to work on my strategy, call it a fancy name, strategic planning, <laughs> planning to whatever you want, but keep yes. that block for you to be a better yes. manager. Absolutely. And it's so very important, right? Like that you, you know, if you're, if you're, at the level that you're at, you know, you're being, you know, you're at that level for a reason and you need to protect that mental capacity even more so, so that when you've kind of, like you said, set your intention, understand what you need to get off your plate that day or that week, um, you know, and then to figure out what were your process goals, like in that day, and I'm not always looking at outcome to your point, but what steps did I take to get to my intention that day? And you know, did I take the steps in that right direction? Well, good for you. Give yourself a pat on the back, figure out where you need to be tomorrow and a bit at a time, but also inflecting through your day, like you've said, little, little things. And I often say to people, you know, um, do little things like, and I think we've talked a little bit about that, you know, have the visual right there, have the, you know, the scent around your clothes, have the favorite teas or whatever, or, um, you know, just little things, have pictures of your children or um, maybe, you know, your favorite vacation because we haven't been able to get off on vacation. What are those things that bring you back to the moment and to help you recognize what you're doing, what you're doing? So again, by putting on that logical part of the brain, it, it, it brings you back to the present moment versus kind of projecting about what I didn't get done today and you know, how I like to your point, what am I telling myself that makes me feel like I can, I can achieve? Absolutely. Look, my, my, my motto is in my companies, you know, my market's motto is changing the way people think or leaders think one conversation at a time. Just start with one conversation with yourself. You know, uh, I've seen the best intentions in organization creating the most toxic environments, you know, um, just because something sounds good on paper it doesn't mean that it's not suppressing your talent, right? So look at what you're doing on a daily basis. And if you want to waste potential, put people in situations 
where they spend their energy surviving instead of really engaging their intelligence in building a strong culture that sustains and runs on a united purpose. What a waste. I've seen this again and again, that fear of you know, being in a survival mode that mm -hmm. makes you lose you know, the best of your employees. So stop and go back to what is really my job and how can I look at my high potentials and make sure they are not on survival mode, that they're truly on creating that amazing place where results can happen. So if you notice a lot of resistance in your team, if you're noticing a lot of silence in your team, if you're noticing significant amount of distraction in your team, stop and go back to what have we done to suppress a sensor and make these people feel, you know, that lack of trust toward us. Uh, never underestimate the power of silence in organizations. I know. A lot of people think silence means like everything's going well. Well, then I often go, oh, no, no. <laughs> There's that undercurrent, right? And uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I, I had a colleague and I was speaking to him and he was on a senior team and his CEO um, brought in the person to do the 360 mm -hmm. and give them recommendations and all those things. And everybody on the team filled it out but they were all afraid to see what the truth was, right? And in turn, there was 50%, almost 50% of the team that was all going off on leave. So that's telling you. Uh, yes. Right there, right? Like your metrics are right there in front of you. If people are telling you they more, you know, more incidental absences, maybe short-term leaves, all those things, you know, your metrics around you is showing you that something is wrong. So for you, Absolutely. as a, you know, you, you'd have to be completely unaware to recognize there's limbs and people dropping off around me. What's, what's, what's the story um, to your leadership at that point? And I think it's, it means being, you're, you're going to get some hits as a leader, right? That says you got to do a lot of things different, but if you can't sustain that capacity to make change, how is it that you could expect the other people around you to do the same? Absolutely. You know, no matter what conflict, no matter what difficulty, I, I tell my clients, you and your team are much more than your survival skills. Go back and look at it. Uh, I find three types of, of things happening, uh, Roxanne, when things are not right and you know it. Some people escape, you know, they're leaving and you're like, what? They left? They're leaving? They don't even tell you anything. Some revolt, right? You see these courageous acts of rebellion happening, uh, or courageous person saying something at a town hall that is absolutely unexpected. And then the others hide. They wear these beautiful masks and they mask the silence and walk just barely making it to, uh, to make ends meet that just to survive. So they're hiding. So you don't, they're not next on your list. So um, we sneak in in different forms and we react in different form. And I would say you can only demand obedience for so much from your team. You know, retaliation will eventually sneak in in different forms. So I'm pausing again, going back to what we started, Roxanne, pausing, really understanding, you know, the impact of what you're doing, intentionally communicating. For some reason, I see uh, many uh, of the organizations where I'm called to look at, you know, what's happening with their teams, there's there's no communication or there's over communication when it's over communication is meaningless and it's not truly transparent when there's no communication it's lost 
right? You have a lost path, but still no communication. So how can I create a balance and share consistent communication that is meaningful, transparent, and also authentic? Right, so the three together, because we know when you're lying. I've worked in organizations for more than 20 years. Now I work out of organizations and consult with them. We know when you're lying, people know, people know what's happening. I worked in an organization that was super uh, organic, Roxanne, but my administrative assistant knew all the gossip way before it got to the directors and leaders. People know what's happening and they talk. There's channels of communication. So consistent communication is so important, right? Uh, and um, placing ourselves in a place of vulnerability starts with really looking at ourselves. Right. That's- and, the, you know, and I think, unfortunately, in, in business, um, we put these leaders sometimes at a, at a, a the service we give them because we give them, they have capacity for outcome. And, you know, the, the business schools, I think are recognizing that, you know, gone are the days where vulnerability is viewed as weakness. It is really strength because what it allows others to do is to say, Hey, Lubna's normal. She's, you know, she's uh, experiencing this or that. And um, she's letting us know. And wow, if she's feeling like that, I'm, I'm on her team. Is it not possible that I can also share and get, you know, be able to get some support? So I think the the transparency, like you said, the authenticity and the vulnerability of your leadership skill and capacity gives people permission to say, we're all in this together. And, yeah. you know, I want to work for a leader that I feel like I can relate to. Absolutely. Um, especially at immense times of change. Mm-hmm. That vulnerability takes on totally, it opens up total new possibilities, right? Because then you leverage your strength and challenges with those of others. And you find complementary competencies to help you and assist you become even more effective. Well, Lubna, this has been an amazing conversation. I knew we would have a uh, lot to talk about. So for anybody now, Lubna's, uh, you know, been doing this kind of work for a long time for any organizations or leaders that are maybe potentially looking for executive coaching where can people reach you uh to, to have a chat or to be able to uh, use you for some uh some of your um skills absolutely it's my first name lubna l-o-u-b-n-a at mindmarket.org or you can visit the website i think it's going to be there www.mindmarket.org I look forward to talking to you and I really wish you all the best in your journey of leadership. And Roxanne, thank you so much for your time. I'm so looking forward to your book and reading your book. And I thank you for this time. I can't believe the hour passed. Thank you. Well, thank you. And Lubna is also uh, uh, writing a book. And when she, when she finishes it, she's going to come back and visit, no doubt to share it with us. So again, you know, go out there, um, Take care of yourself first so that you can, it's simple, but it's not easy. And yes, you have a lot of expectations of you in a a time that's been dire for most, um, but recognize that the more you're capable of going into your internal space, you're able to then catch your cognitions, your emotions, and get connected to your body that creates the platform to allow you to go out there and lead from such a place of strength. 
Um, so again, Luna, thanks so much for everybody. If you're wanting more information on authentic leadership with your teams, you can reach out to me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit RoxanneDurhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.